Hey guys, Sam Roberts. I appreciate you checking out this episode of Not Sam Wrestling. I appreciate you doing everything you can to support the podcast if you want to. You know, it's free. Wherever you're listening to the podcast, make sure you listen every week. Subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, you can give us a five-star rating. If you're listening on Apple, you can give us a five-star rating and you can leave a very nice review. You can also subscribe to the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, where we put up content from the podcast every single week for free. If you want more content, both audio and video, and you want to kick back a few bucks, become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. Every podcast is broadcast live for our Patreon members. You can get access to the Discord. You can get access to a bonus show every single week, Zoom conversations every week. It's a lot of fun. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, or just sit doing exactly what you're doing right now because I'm about to start the show. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, who's next? After an amazing week of professional wrestling, who is next to return to a newly Triple H-led WWE? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, what a week it's been. Welcome, episode 408, Not Sam Wrestling. We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, wrestling is at an exciting time. I, I was very happy. The One of the last times, well, not one of the last times, I guess, but a previous time that wrestling has been at a very exciting time was chronicled last week on the Rivals show on A&E, which is very good. You know, Freddie Prince Jr. hosting the roundtable and everything, but... They did an episode of uh, Rivals that was WWE versus WCW. And I know, I know, we all watched the Monday Night Wars. We've all seen everything. But it's honestly been a while since I watched WWE versus WCW-based content. So it was fun to turn it on again. And it was even more fun to see my big bald head describing the incidents of the late 90s. It was very, very exciting for me to pop up there on A&E, so... Thank you to the people who put that uh, documentary together and everything has been good. I mean, I would say that nothing, nothing, I, I would never consider myself a Goldberg fan. At the peak of Goldberg, I was not a Goldberg fan. When he came into WWE the first time, I was not a terribly big Goldberg fan. Like I just, he just never did it for me. I liked, I already liked, I liked the NWO. I liked Nash and Hall. I liked Triple H. Like, I liked the already established guys. I didn't need this new guy coming in and dominating everybody that I liked already. So I was never the biggest Goldberg fan. And then, you know, over the course of years with the recent iterations, there have been good Goldberg moments. A few. The Goldberg-Lashley stuff most recently was great. I, I think the Goldberg-Lesnar rivalry actually culminated in a in quite a good Goldberg Lesnar WrestleMania match. I thought that was pretty good. Not a fan of the Goldberg Fiend match. Not a fan of the Goldberg Undertaker match. But regardless, I say all this to say I don't know if anything made me more of a fan of Goldberg than watching his A and E biography. I think so far of this season, because there's been a new one every Sunday, that might be my favorite one that they've done. Because I thought Goldberg just did such a good job of explaining who he was and saying, look, 
I'm a guy who didn't get to live his dream and is doing this instead. And it's like, if if you don't, if anything, you feel some kind of sympathy for that. You can't feel bitter that this is a guy that is is living your dream, but is not living it the way that you wanted to because it's not his dream. This is a guy who is treating professional wrestling purely as a business, not as a passion project, and he makes a lot of money. So you go, okay, I get it. Like, I get you. I watched that go, I get Goldberg. I'm a fan, and I'd be perfectly fine seeing him back in the ring. If it was announced that Goldberg was coming back for another match, after watching that biography, I'd be like, okay, I wouldn't want him to win the match. Let's not go crazy. But I'd be happy to see Goldberg again. And I'd go, I get you, Bill. I get you. I don't think he's that good at communicating. I don't think he's a guy that explains what's on his mind. I don't think he's a guy that that really talks about his feelings. I think he's a man of action, right? And so, you know, the the the, the performance artist part of professional wrestling probably doesn't come as naturally as the same thing that comes to a pro football player, which is get in there and smash faces to sell tickets does. I get it now. I get it. And I'll talk about, you know, the legends and stuff coming back a little bit later. I don't know. I mean, if Goldberg were to come back now, I mean, I don't know that we ever saw the Roman Reigns match unless we did and I'm forgetting about it, but obviously uh, the one that was supposed to take place, maybe we did, the one that was supposed to take place at WrestleMania um, and then, you know, the the pandemic WrestleMania that ended up being Strowman versus uh, Goldberg in, instead. Um, okay, no, we did. I just had Elimination Chamber. I just forgot about it entirely. I guess that uh, lets you know that while I'm tolerant of Goldberg, I'm still, he's not my guy. But, yeah, okay, so I guess Roman already beat him. Um, Drew beat him in gym shorts. That was gym shorts era Goldberg. You know, at this point, carrying cross versus Goldberg wouldn't make me mad. If they got, if they got Goldberg real quick, if they want to make carrying cross a big deal, if, they, if it depends on what they're going to do at Clash at the Castle, right? If they're going to somehow work him into the title picture, which they didn't announce on SmackDown. So maybe they're not going to. Maybe this is a long play. We'll talk about Raw and SmackDown in a minute. But, you know, I wouldn't be against, if they want to reintroduce Karrion Cross to the world that saw him as a guy who wore S&M gear and lost to Jeff Hardy in 90 seconds, if they want to reintroduce that character as the dominant Force the 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 natural disaster that he was tearing through the NXT roster, having him wrestle Goldberg at Clash at the Castle and beat Goldberg would not be a bad thing. I mean, the Carrying Cross entrance as we knew it in NXT, the good one, with Scarlet coming out and singing along with the song, and it's black and white. The end is here. Fall and pray, you know, the whole thing. But do it in front of however many are going to be in Cardiff, 70,000 people sitting there in Cardiff watching this entrance happen in front of fans for arguably the first time. It happened a little bit on SmackDown, but that wasn't really the entrance. 
you know, on a, on a, on a large scale happening on pay-per-view for the first time, premium live event for the first time, and seeing, other than NXT, of course, and seeing it happen in a stadium in the biggest way humanly possible, his first main roster match, and that's what we would say, his first match on SmackDown. But on Raw, we're not talking about Raw. His first match on SmackDown, you know, the new Karrion Cross, his real first main roster match is against Goldberg, and he beats Goldberg. And then maybe you put him in a position where he beats Drew McIntyre, and now you're starting to level him up to a place where he looks like he could be the guy that beats Roman Reigns. I'm not against that. I'm not mad at Brock Le uh, at, at Goldberg versus Karrion Cross at Clash at the Castle. I, I don't even know if Goldberg is in fighting shape, but I'd be here for it. Um, it was uh, an amazing week of wrestling all across the board. Now, WWE is, of course, dominating the conversation. WWE generally, ge generally dominates the conversation and generates the conversation here on Not Sam Wrestling. But with all this talk about WWE and, and Triple H's WWE, we can't forget that there is good stuff happening on the other channel that that I really enjoyed uh, a lot of Dynamite uh, this week. I loved the intrigue. Is and, and AEW, if you look at what was happening on Dynamite, AEW looks like it's gearing up. Clearly, they're building a star out of Daniel Garcia, right? And Daniel Garcia, I mean, talk about a promo. Daniel Garcia, such a good promo. I, I'm a little, I'm still, I think... Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson might be a little bit uh, too giving for his own good. I don't know that that I wanted to see Daniel Garcia beat Brian Danielson in Danielson's first match back in any context. I'm sure he's going to get the win back this week on Dynamite, but it's just one of those things where it's almost like, I mean, I guess if Brian Danielson is not coming back, to be in the main event picture. If he's not coming back to be in the world title picture, then maybe in the meantime, do this. But I just, I feel like Brian Danielson might be one of those guys who knows he can lose and it's not going to cost him much. And maybe is too giving because of it. Because it does eventually cost, right? But it is going to lead us, look, it's doing great things for Daniel Garcia. And, and, and that makes me happy. And it's giving him, like, there's there's some real uh, volume now to his promo. There's some real volume to his character. There's something to say. He's beaten Brian Danielson, right? And that's great. I love that. When he comes out and he did the promo about, uh, I think this was on uh, Rampage, when he did the promo about Danielson being his hero and, and now look at you and don't make me do this to you. I love that stuff. That's such a good story. That's such a good heel thing to do, right? Because it gives you the credibility of of one day Daniel Garcia can be a babyface because in the promo, he's saying that he eats, sleeps, breathes wrestling. That before he was in AEW, he was a fan of wrestling, just like all of us, right? But in this context, he's turned it on his head a little bit and, and using it against the beloved Brian Danielson. Eventually, he'll be able to use that same thing as what makes him a babyface, but... Great promo, great in the ring. He's just great. He's just one of these young guys who's incredible. And I like that uh, AEW is spending some time really making a superstar out of this guy. Same thing they did with MJF, making a superstar out of Daniel Garcia. So I really like that. 
Um, I like what's going on with the trios because not only do you have Daniel Garcia building here, Brian Danielson is back. Adam Cole, he's got to be returning to wrestling soon because he's cutting promos and whatnot. So he's back on TV. I would imagine he's back in the ring soon. So you're going to have Adam Cole back. I feel like this Bucks thing is leading to a Kenny Omega trio, right? Because you've got the Bucks now, for all intents and purposes, turned babyface. Adam Cole turned on him, and they're cozying up with uh, 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 Adam Page again. Adam Page is like, look, and it wasn't aggressive. Guys, I'm sorry. The Dark Order has had my back. I'm going to be in the Dark Order's corner, so I can't be your partner. So now the Bucks, they want to be part of this trios tournament. They don't have a partner. I would imagine this leads to a Kenny Omega return. So now you've got an AEW where you've got Chris Jericho, John Moxley, Cesaro, Danielson, Danny Garcia's being built up. Kenny Omega's back. Adam Page is is being rebuilt from what I think was not a terribly successful world title run in the not because of Adam Page, but just because of the way the stories were told. And then you have CM Punk return. First of all, the Jericho Mox match was great. Anybody that's a Jericho fan, seeing him go back to being the Lionheart. And when when he when he announced he was going back to being the Lionheart for the, just the one match, I was wondering, is he going to come out to like uh, the WCW music? Like, what's he going to be wearing? But he came out to the ECW music, White Zombie, Electric Head Part 2, I think. And, and came out and he had, it was still leather pants like he wears, but they were designed to look like the original uh, Lineheart yellow and black tights. He has the vest. And I think it was really smart that he went to, you know, ECW, Japan, AAA era Lionheart and not WCW era Lionheart because WCW era Lionheart is, yeah, I mean, he's a cruiserweight that never got what he deserved to get. That's the story of Jericho and WCW. They blew it with him. So, uh, you know, going to the the right before WCW version of Lionheart, I think told the story of 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 the guy that Moxley wanted to fight. And then I, I just thought the match was great. I could watch Chris, I mean, announcing Chris Jericho versus John Moxley as your main event on TV is like, I mean, you could do that for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks without me getting tired. Um, but having Mox win and then boom, here comes CM Punk. He's been working, everybody. He's back. Everybody was wondering, oh, I heard he was still hurt. Dirt Sheets reporting he's still hurt. Nope, CM Punk is back. He's staring down Moxley. No respect from Moxley. Screw you. CM Punk was trying to be the nice guy when he left. Hey, John Moxley is good enough to be the world champion. And John Moxley said, I agree. I am good enough to be the world champion. I am the world champion. I'm the world champion of here, and I'm the world champion of Game Changer. Because over in GCW... On Saturday night, John Moxley was main eventing against Effie. Good news, everybody. Effie is okay. But he had a match with Effie. Internet went into a little bit of a tizzy because uh, Mox got uh, bombarded with fans on his way to the ring. But it's, you know, it's GCW in, in, the, in, the, in Atlantic City. This is what these shows look like. This is what GCW does. This is what Mox signed up for. I mean, Mox has... has gone out of his way to talk about how much he enjoys Game Changer Wrestling. The only reason he's there is because he wants to do it. It's not like GCW is paying AEW money for John Moxley. He wants 
to do it. He's the champion. He could easily say, dude, I'm, I'm tired of this. Like, I, I don't want to go to these shows. Here's your title back. Take the title off me, whatever you want to do, and split. Like, he wants to be there. So the idea that anybody was being irresponsible, I think, is 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 foolish. He's got permission to go. This is, I just didn't see it. You know, I, it's always funny. You're watching something. You see no issue. Somebody clips it out, and all of a sudden, it's a conversation. But um, at the end of that match, is again, GCW. Nick Gage comes out. Nick Gage is back. Challenges Mox to a GCW world title match. Mox says, okay, but under the uh, condition, it's title versus career. And I love a title versus career in this context, right? Because I feel like every John Moxley in Game Changer match, you think he may lose the title because there's no way Tony Khan wants him going to GCW shows. Like, there's no way that a promoter can want their champion also being the champion of another promotion. I just, I I can't fathom it. I don't see it. It's possible. I don't see it. So every single time Mox defends the title in GCW, I assume he's going to lose it. I thought he was going to lose it to Homicide in January. I thought he was going to lose it to, uh, uh, what's his name? I thought he was going to lose it to Effie on, on Saturday. I, every time he wrestles, I think he's going to lose it. He didn't lose it. And now he's got this career versus title match. And so, yes, there's that part where I'm like, okay, this is where Mox loses it so that Tony Khan can have his champion back, even though, you know, the title versus career match, I think, is happening after the all out. So, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. But um, but at the same time, Nick Gage could easily be retiring too. Like Nick Gage is at the point in his life where does he keep wrestling? Are there other things that he could be doing? Like, and when I say other things, you know, it's Nick Gage. He's not going to become a movie star. But is he going to go and be like a GCW ambassador? I understand it's an independent promotion, but if any independent promotion needs an ambassador, it's GCW. And if anybody could be a GCW ambassador, it's ultra-violent Nick Gage. <laughs> could be. Maybe he's going to get thrown on commentary. Maybe he's going to be a, a, a the, the general manager for Game Changer. Who knows? But because it could go both ways, I find it to be very, very intriguing. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I'll get back to breaking everything down in a second, but I wanted to say thank you to BetterHelp. This podcast is being sponsored by BetterHelp. Life is full of twists, turns, stresses, changes, grief, moments of growth, and moments where we feel like we're taking steps back. We all feel it. I do. Even the host of a of a glorious podcast like this one sometimes is full of self-doubt and ridicule. It's awful. BetterHelp Online Therapy is here to help with all those twists and turns. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Sometimes you need a person to talk to. A lot of times for me, my brain goes crazy on me. Just every every worst thing, I sit there at night trying to go to sleep, remembering every single thing I can possibly remember that I regret. Sometimes you need somebody to just talk to about it, to let you kind of come back to reality. That's what BetterHelp is good for. BetterHelp is not a, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions. No uncomfortable waiting rooms, no nothing. 
BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change therapists. It's more affordable than traditional therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp is a great way to show up for yourself and invest in your well-being. You deserve inner peace. Visit betterhelp.com slash not Sam. That's betterhelp.com slash not Sam. Join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced professional. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. There's a special offer, too, for Not Sam listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash NotSam. That's BetterHelp.com slash NotSam. So the Triple H era continues. And this week on the show, I'm going to get into who Triple H is and what this really... I'm kidding. We've done it the last seven weeks in a row. I want to talk about Raw and SmackDown, but then I want to talk about uh, what I think we are looking at as we go into the future. So uh, on Raw, you had two great shows, by the way, with Raw and SmackDown, right? I thought that the... Here's why Raw and SmackDown were both good. because And it doesn't happen. Usually in the past, there's like one or two significant stories and then a bunch of stuff is happening. Like when they would do the championship contender match where the guy has to beat the champion and then he has to fight the champion later or he gets this rematch or there's rematch after rematch. A bunch of stuff would happen on Raw that you'd go, what is the logic here? Why is this happening? Like, why do I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over again? That was probably the biggest flaw on Raw. Uh, And I feel like on both Raw and SmackDown, for the first time in a long time, not just some segments, every segment before signing off on the segment before writing the segment down on paper and saying, this is what we're doing. Somebody sat there and said, okay, why is this happening? Here's why. And you can go through and watch every segment on Raw and SmackDown. And if somebody that doesn't watch wrestling with you just watches the segment and goes, why is this happening? You can say, here's why. There's little stuff happening. There's little story elements. You know, I've been talking for years about how it's all about story. And there's story elements that are just happening throughout segment after segment. And it's like, you're getting a segment with a story, but then there's a sub story happening within the segment. It's just an amazing thing. But I think the key thing is why, why that question, why is being asked? The question, why is being answered? And then we are seeing it played out in front of us. It's cohesive. It's not that you're really literally sitting there and asking why before every single segment, but there is this cohesiveness that you can feel. You feel it in your gut where things just kind of line up, where things just kind of connect. And that's what happens when why gets answered every single time. You're mixing in story elements with great matches, right? You had, uh, on Raw, you had Dolph Ziggler versus Gable. Great match. You have everybody sitting here talking about Montez Ford is the next this, Montez Ford is the next that, Montez Ford is the next this, Montez Ford is the next that. How do we protect the street profits if all we're doing is talking about how great Montez Ford is? I know 
put Angelo Dawkins in a two-segment match with Seth Rollins so we can let everybody know, hey, what makes the Street Profits so amazing is they have two of these guys on the team. Logic. Lo- and it's a, it's this the, the reason this is happening is because it makes things better. It's great. It's the way it should be, you know. It's interesting. It feels like not only do we see people returning, as we talked about a little last week, I'm talking about more this week, but we see people going away, you know. I kind of think that we may not see Zeke speak anymore. It kind of felt like maybe Ezekiel was getting written off. But Ezekiel wasn't just getting written off, right? It's like, if we're going to write Ezekiel off, how do we do it in a way that pushes things forward, that elevates somebody? Ezekiel's going to be able to come back, whether he comes back as Ezekiel or he comes back as Elias the Drifter or he comes back as whatever he comes back as. I don't think he's out of the company. But how do we elevate in the process? Here's what we do. We reintroduce you to Kevin Owens in the process. He's not goofball Kevin Owens anymore. He's the guy that turned on his friend at NXT arrival, Sami Zayn, on his first night out and let everybody know he's there for the gold, sucker. That's that's how you make the most of that segment. You don't just write him off. In the process, you send Kevin Owens in a direction that he hasn't been since before WrestleMania, Right? Think about it. The lead up to WrestleMania, it's it's been entertainment, 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 entertainment. He was a baby face at the Royal Rumble at the beginning of the year with Roman Reigns. Didn't work out for him. Starts dropping hints about how he doesn't like Texas. And the process turns heel. You know, ends up, it's not the super aggro Kevin Owens that we're all afraid of, but it's the super entertaining, incredible sports entertainer Kevin Owens that ends up main eventing WrestleMania and has the biggest match and moment of his career when he fights Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event of night one of one of the best WrestleManias of all time. I'm not taking anything away from it. Where do you go from there? We 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 keep entertaining. We frustrated Kevin Owens. Ah, I know you're you're Elias. I know you're Elias. And it just kind of goes and, and you end up with Kevin Owens doing great work, but being entertaining. So where do we go for the second half of 2022? Honestly, the third third of 2022. Where do we go? Let's remind everybody not to fuck with Kevin Owens. And that's what you do. He goes out there and he breaks Ezekiel's back. Ezekiel has been so much fun. Kevin Owens breaks his back. Why did he do that? Because Kevin Owens is the type of guy that sees fun and breaks its back. That's what Kevin Owens is. That's what Kevin Owens does. That's what brought him to the dance. That's the why. A lot of speculation going over. We haven't seen Theory. We haven't seen, uh, 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 what's her name? And we haven't seen Almost. Well, we saw Almost. We still had him. He's still in there. We're still keeping things up, right? We still see the value in Almost. We're still doing the handicap match thing, right? Champa versus Lashley. What a beautiful build. We saw this on Raw and SmackDown. There's a clear... There's a clear emphasis. It's not just on, I, th- I saw like on SmackDown, people were saying, ah, they're going back to emphasizing the Intercontinental title. No, if you pay attention all week long, they're going back to emphasizing championships. All the championships are being re-emphasized. The entire show on Monday Night Raw, as we led to the top of the third hour, where we're going to do Champa versus Bobby Lashley. It wasn't just, 
Bobby Lashley is like one of the greatest of all time. It wasn't just, hey, you may not realize it, but Champa is a tremendous threat. It was, and by the way, look at what they're fighting for. This is the United States Championship. This is the legacy of the United States Championship. This is what the United States Championship symbolizes. So by the time we get there, Bobby Lashley has maintained his spot on top. Champa has been elevated, and the title itself is portrayed as one of the prized possessions that any career professional wrestler could possibly have. And boom, we're off to the races on a great match where even in loss, Champa feels far more like a star than he did even two weeks ago. And he's back out there in the main event segment an hour later. You go over to SmackDown. You build for the full two hours to Nakamura versus Gunther. Not only building Nakamura, not only building Gunther, but talking about the history of one of the WWE specifically, the work rate title, the title that real wrestling fans go, that's my favorite title. Why? Because of Brett and Perfect at SummerSlam 91. Because of Brett and Bulldog at SummerSlam 92. That's my title. Because of what Jericho did with it. That's my title. Because of what Sean did with it. That's my title. Right? And so they, they, they do the same thing. They, they, they remind you how good Nakamura is right? And how good he always has been. Michael Cole was mentioning it on commentary. Royal Rumble winner, blah, 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 blah. They've been doing a great job building Gunther, building Gunther, building Gunther. And now we get to the main event of SmackDown and you got these two beasts being portrayed as two of the top in the industry fighting for one of the top prizes in the industry. And the same thing is happening with this women's tag team championship tournament. Pictures of the belt are on display everywhere. Brackets, fully made brackets. Not we'll fill them in as we go, not we're writing this all and making it up as we go. Thought out, fully made brackets with pictures of the title. Eight teams, not four teams, a full eight teams. So it's like, yeah, this is worth fighting for. And we're not just pairing people up. We're, we're like showing you that Aliyah and Raquel are looking to be a permanent team. They're not just in it for the tournament, right? We're showing you that on the NXT side, we want to give you a glimpse of Nikita Lyon, right? And it's like, they're not just coming here to, to, to because somebody, you know, so, some booker put them together. Zoe Stark and Nikita have come together because they're like, no, we want a real shot. We think we're unstoppable together. And we're seeing promos with them together on Raw, on SmackDown, on NXT. There's an emphasis being put on the Women's Tag Team Championship. Why? Because there's an emphasis being put on all the championships. Over on Raw, the storytelling that was going on. And it wasn't mentioned. That was the beauty of it. It wasn't mentioned. that While Kevin Owens is sitting there doing his promo, we see a crashed car in the background. And Nikki Ash and Dewdrop are talking to the authorities about this crash car. And I swear to God, I was reading tweets from people that were like, yo, is that really a crash car behind them? That's when you know things are working. Why on earth would the WWE choose to film a promo in front of a crashed car? There's, they have a whole building at their disposal. You don't think they noticed the crash car, but you did? And secondly, who was driving the car? 
Was it Dewdrop in her full gear or was it Nikki Ash dressed as a superhero? Do you think she, Nikki Ash dressed as a superhero, crashed her own car, and then got out in her tights? But even wrestling is 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 all about suspension of disbelief. That's when wrestling is good. So the fact that people were sitting there going like, I wonder if that's really a car crash. Suspension of disbelief, baby, we did it. It was great. It was great. And there's another segment. And there's, there's like cops running through a shot. What was that? I don't know. Let's get back to what we were doing before. And it all leads to the fact that at the very end of the show, Dexter Loomis, of all people, Dexter Loomis is being carted off. Amazing. Like, especially because on paper, fans weren't, I, nobody, I don't think people dislike Dexter Loomis, but I also don't, he's not one of the, the buzzworthy guys. I love Dexter Loomis, but he's not like uh, one of the guys that you're like, oh, where's he going to end up? Where's he going to go? You know, he's the future champion of the world, but he's an asset to a roster. How do we reintroduce a guy like that? You can't just have him come out, right? Well, now he's involved in a story. Now people are tuning into Raw tonight to find out what's the deal with Dexter Loomis. All of a sudden, we got people who are tuning in to find out what's happening with Dexter Loomis because of the way the story was told. It was brilliant. Over on SmackDown, not only did you have that amazing main event, Gunther versus Nakamura, just doing wrestling the way wrestling should be done. But you had a, you had a, you had, I, I thought the Ronda... Shayna Liv segment was great for a couple of reasons. Number one, Ronda was just being Ronda. And isn't it amazing how much better it is to watch Ronda Rousey when she's just being Ronda Rousey? She's a natural heel. That's who she is. When she's just that, dumping bags of cash all over a table, talking about how everybody sucks except for her, it's believable. And you want to, you, the fans were cheering for it. You know, it was like, yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. That's the Ronda Rousey we know. Yes, and I love that she's on her way out. This I, 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 I love multiple stories going on at the same time. I love that she's on her way out. She crosses paths with Shayna. Shayna's like, you can't do this stuff here. Rhonda's like, go F yourself. Shayna's like, oh, Rhonda, you're driving me nuts. Now Shayna's got to deal with Liv Morgan. Liv and Shayna are doing their thing. Shayna dominates Liv. Liv gets to, pops off a couple shots at her, but physically... She gets dominated, and now you're sitting there going, well, we're going to have this Shayna live match, but clearly there's rough waters, and Ronda's watching the whole time. She's not on anybody's side. So you now have multiple elements all circulating all at the same time in a beautiful way. The same thing's happening in the, in the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship title scene. You got Drew McIntyre coming out here. You have Karrion Cross. first of all, the promo that Karrion Cross and Scarlett cut where Karrion Cross referred to uh, Drew and Roman as the chosen ones was so great because it was an acknowledgement of the fact that the previous regime, that he was there to be a main eventer. He was there to be an equal to Drew and Roman. And the previous regime decided that he had nothing to offer them and cast him away. That's a real story that he's bringing back. Drew, Roman, they saw you as the guys to be the top dogs in WWE. Well, I'm here to disrupt that. And the people who wouldn't allow me to disrupt it before are gone. And now you're in big trouble. That's the story. It's, it's perfect. Every, now you get it. It doesn't matter now because of that story. It explains 
why Karrion Cross was so lame right before he left WWE. He's acknowledging the lameness. They made me lame because you're the chosen one. Well, guess what? I'm not that guy anymore. I'm back. I love it. Love it. You got Drew coming out, cutting a promo. Scarlet comes out, full entrance, black and white, interrupts Drew. Usos come out and jump Drew. But then the Usos look at Scarlet like, what's your deal, lady? And you're like, nobody's getting along here, right? We don't know where this is going. And that's the way it should be. After all that, hit row return out of nowhere. Couple of J-Brones standing in the ring waiting for opponents. And here comes hit row. Top Dalla, B-Fab, Ashanti the Adonis, all back in the flesh. Top dollar coming right out of the Not Sam studio onto SmackDown. How do you like them apples, huh? How do you like that? And here we go. I mean, we were talking about all the returns last week. Add to the list, Dexter Loomis. Add to the list, Hit Row. And that's why today I thought we'd talk about some of these returns. Now, I, I, I think that the returns are going to keep coming. Right, I think that the roster is going to get added to. I think that there is a a move now to add a significant amount of depth. Not everybody is coming back to win the world title, but I I, I think that the Triple H and the powers that be want the WWE. They they want stars and they want to create depth and they want it to be refreshed. They want the whole thing to be refreshed. Now, I decided to put together a couple of lists. I have five people that I would put money on. And I have five people that I could see it happening or five acts that I could see it happening. I've also got five legends that I think will be coming back. And I wanted to to, to run down some of that with you guys. Now, um, I'm not putting anybody, I'm not going to mention anybody that's signed with AEW. Because if they're signed with AEW, they're probably signed long-term. They'll probably be back at some point. Like, look, like, when you look at who's at AEW, it's like Aleister Black, Andrade, Swerve, Adam Cole, FTR, Samoa Joe, William Regal. All of those people, if not signed to AEW, would probably be back in WWE at some point. Those are all people that Triple H thought very high of, uh, that Triple H saw a lot of potential in. And I think that that's the thing here, right? That Triple H is going to see people that he saw potential in and put them in the spot to execute on that potential. Now, um, there's a couple of, uh, of, of people before I start that I want to put on my honorable mention. I mean, when you think about it, right, it's like, We've got a packed roster. We've got Riddle coming back. Riddle's supposed to be on Raw this week, right? Riddle is a guy that I think Triple H believes in. He certainly believed in him in NXT, but I have no doubt that Riddle is headed to a permanent spot in the main event scene. At some point within the next six months, Cody Rhodes will be back in a permanent spot on the main event scene. At some point soon, Randy Orton will be back with a permanent spot in the main event scene. Karrion Cross has been added to the main event scene. So you'll have 
Cody. You'll have Randy. You'll have Riddle. You'll have Cross. You'll have Rollins. You'll have McIntyre. You'll have Roman. You'll have Brock coming in. You'll have a lot. And that's good. Across two shows, that's excellent. And I think people will be will continue to be elevated, right? Sorry for the interruption, but I'm sure you can hear it. The confidence in my voice. How do you get this confidence, Sam? Well, I'll tell you how. It's my big groomed energy. See, I use Manscaped and my balls are so well groomed that it makes me confident throughout the entire day. Why? I know that if somebody steals my pants and rips off my underpants, all they're going to see is somebody that's incredibly well-groomed. It's going to make them think I have my whole life in order because my balls look so good. Why? Because of Manscaped. And you can do it all now for 20% off plus free shipping with promo code NOTSAM. See, they've got the Platinum Package 4.0. This is the biggest, best, ultimate hygiene bundle that they've ever offered. You can do for the rest of your body what they're already doing for your balls with the Platinum Package 4.0. You'll get the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for them balls. You'll get the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. You'll get the Ultra Premium Body Wash. You'll get the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll get the Ultra Premium Deodorant, the Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and you'll get it all in the Shed Travel Bag so that when you're traveling, you can take that confidence with you and shave them balls down on the road. Look, be like me. Walk around this world without a care in it. Why? Because your balls are groomed and the rest of your body is smelling right. I don't even have any nose hairs anymore. Get 20% off of all of this and free shipping with promo code NOTSAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code NOTSAM. Unlock your big groomed energy with Manscaped. And remember, when you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. You hear that? You're going to look bigger in your pants thanks to me and get 20% off. Manscaped.com, code NOTSAM. I want to give honorable mention first to two people that uh, I think could be back um, at any moment, um, I wouldn't, Leo Rush is on my honorable mention list. You know, Leo Rush is at a, 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 a controversial in and out in several organizations. You know, there always is that thing where it's like, ah, I don't know if we want to deal with that right now, but I think Triple H has always believed in Leo Rush. Triple H brought Leo Rush with NXT when they did the invasion of SmackDown. Um, and Leo Rush had success in NXT. So, um, I could see at some point Leo Rush coming back to WWE under these circumstances, unless there's more going on behind the scenes that I don't know about. And the other honorable mention uh, that I'll put in is uh, Gabe Sapolsky. I don't have him on the list only because technically this is a list of superstars, but he was on my original put money on list. I absolutely think Gabe Sapolsky will be back. Gabe Sapolsky was a big part of creative and talent over in NXT, working very closely with Triple H at building that roster and building out that show, which I think Triple H uh, believed in what they were doing very much. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that Triple H was fond of what Gabe was doing in Evolve. I think it's pretty obvious that Triple H was fond of, was fond of what Gabe did in Ring of Honor, creating that roster that ended up 
being an entire generation of both WWE and NXT. So I think, I truly believe that Gabe Sapolsky will be back in WWE in some kind of either talent or creative, you know, executive position working with Triple H on this stuff. It feels like Triple H is bringing his people in. So with that said, I think Triple H is bringing his people in and I think Triple H is bringing in people that he feels will uh, give the fans what they want to see. So my list of five people that I would put money on being back in the WWE within the next, you know, weeks, month, two, within the next eight weeks, say six weeks, I don't know. Sasha Banks is number one on my list. I 100% believe that Sasha Banks will be back. I think uh, if you look at the history of of where Sasha Banks comes from, who's the first person that saw Sasha Banks as a star? Who's the first person that put Sasha Banks in the main event of a show? Who's the first person that put Sasha Banks on a pay-per-view show in an arena that made people stop and go, that might be my favorite wrestling match I've ever seen? Who's the first person that put Sasha Banks in a match in front of Vince McMahon to prove that women maybe could do more than he was using them for? Who's the first person that put Sasha Banks in an Iron Man match? Triple H, all of it. Sasha Banks and Charlotte was the match in San Jose, California, the night before WrestleMania 31, that Vince McMahon saw and went, oh, oh, I guess I didn't realize. Triple H saw Sasha Banks and he put her in a Cadillac Escalade to drive into the Barclays Center and have one of the greatest matches of all time, honestly, with Bailey at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1. Brought her back with Bailey in an Iron Man match for the takeover after Brooklyn. You know, I mean, Triple H has been right there. He sees Sasha. I think Sasha knows that Triple H sees her. I think Sasha is going to see what Triple H is doing with the women's championship in that tournament. I think, and I don't even know if Sasha needs to see that because I think Sasha knows what, and who Triple H is as as that creative leader. And I think Triple H knows Sasha. I think Triple H sees what Sasha can do. I just don't, I, I don't see it not happening. I don't see that connection not coming together. I think Sasha Banks is number one on my list and right under Sasha Banks, pretty obviously Naomi. I think both of them come back. I think uh, whoever wins the women's tag team tournament, let me look up the uh, uh, thing right now. Uh, and see what the brackets look like right now. Because I'll tell you who I think um, is going to win the tournament. And then who in turn will end up facing uh, Sasha and Naomi. Because I do think at this point, you know, that's what it's going to be all about. Um, you know, we saw Io and Dakota go over to Mina and Dana Brooke. I think we're going to see Alexa and Asuka go over uh, Nikki and Dewdrop. We saw Raquel and Aaliyah go over Zia Lee and Shotzi. Um, I think we'll see, well, probably go with the heel, right? So I think we'll see uh, Natalia and Sonya go over Nikita and Zoe. Um, I think if that's the case, Raquel and Aaliyah go over Natalia and Sonya Deville. Uh, I think uh, EO and Dakota go over Alexa and Asuka. 
And I think you build Raquel and Aaliyah as this underdog team that could be the next face, the baby face. And EO and Dakota win the Women's Tag Team Championship only for their party to be stopped by Naomi and Sasha Banks, who are there to get their championship uh, back from them. And then we move on with that story. So you've got Bailey going after the women's champion, probably Bianca. And uh, EO and Dakota are now the women's tag team champions defending against Sasha and Naomi. Number three on my list of people to put money on, Bray Wyatt. There is no doubt in my mind that Bray Wyatt will be back. Um, I think and I hope that he'll be back as the Fiend. Now, this conversation has come up in our Patreon Discord room about uh, Bray always doing something new and not coming back as the Fiend. The same way when Eater of Worlds, Bray left, he came back as something completely new. Like he evolved from the Wyatt family to the Eater of Worlds to the Fiend, you know. And, 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 and while that's true, I think that this era in the short term is about righting wrongs. I think we're righting wrongs with Dakota Kai. I think we're righting wrongs with Karrion Cross. You know, I think we're righting wrongs with Tommaso Ciampa, you know. I th- I think that, that it's about doing what should have been done. And so on that note, I think that's the story of The Fiend. I think The Fiend is back to right wrongs. I think The Fiend is back with some kind of acknowledgement that things didn't go right the last time. As there was, you know, there was so much acknowledgement with the original Fiend as to everything that went wrong with Bray Wyatt. This fiend should be acknowledging everyone, everything that went wrong with the last fiend, you know, in the Firefly Funhouse. Go through that journey, right? And 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 build from there. And and see this new evolved fiend in this new place. And I don't know who you go after first. I mean, I think Cody versus the fiend would be great. You know, if anybody's gonna tear down the dream and turn it into a nightmare, it would be the fiend. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the fiend versus riddle could be interesting. I mean, you'd have to have riddle take it seriously, but it could be interesting. You know, I think there's a lot to do. I think that there, maybe there's some kind of unholy alliance that could be, uh, built between carrying cross and the fiend. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's just a lot, but there's more important than opponents is the story to tell within the fiend. And I think that story gets told, um, number four to put money on is Johnny Gargano. I uh, absolutely think Johnny Gargano comes back. Um, I personally think that he comes back to be the right hand of theory. That's how I would do it because the way I look at it, the entire theory character is predicated upon being Vince's guy. The whole reason that Theory has gotten every opportunity that he's gotten, whether it's fighting Brock Lesnar at Madison Square Garden, whether it's being put into the Money in the Bank ladder match, everything that Theory has gotten has been because Vince McMahon wants him to have it. Well, Vince McMahon's not in power anymore, so that story doesn't work anymore. You can't have Theory just having things go his way because Vince isn't there anymore to take care of him. So what are we going to do with Theory? Because he's so good. Well, I think that's where you bring the way back. And I don't I don't think that you have to bring back the whole family. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Candice LeRae back. I'm a big Candice LeRae fan. But I don't think you need to do exactly the same thing you did in NXT. If, if Candice wants to get back in the ring, 
then I think she should be afforded that opportunity. I think she would be a strong asset to the women's division. But I think that Johnny comes in as the mentor of Austin Theory. Like the way I would do it, I'd probably have Johnny Gargano come back as a baby face and uh, have him like sort of hint that he's there to, to help people and he's there to change things and this is where he's going to start and he's going to change, he's going to help theory. And you start to realize that, oh, we've been duped. Oh, Johnny wasn't on our side at all. That's probably where I would start with Johnny Gargano. Bring him in as a heel who is theory's second. A lot of people would say to continue on with the Champa-Gargano rivalry and that's possible or put Gargano and Champa together. That's possible too. That was the original thought on the main roster. Gargano and Champa came in after the halftime heat show that NXT did. But I personally think that it would be better all around. I think Theory, I think uh, 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 Champa is doing just fine. I think Champa is doing great with the Miz. I think that Champa is in a good spot. And the more mic time they give him, and the more ring time they give him, the more money he's going to make. The more fans he's going to make. You know, I don't, I don't see anything that. Champa needs with that and but I do see theory needing that extra boost and I think it's a great fit for Gargano as well and then number five on my list to put money on I think Drake Maverick comes back I think Drake Maverick is number five on my list of like layups Drake Maverick uh, I, to the best of my knowledge is still working in WWE creative that's where he went to but I say that because Drake Maverick is a Jack of all trades when it comes to professional wrestling. Drake can wrestle. Drake can be funny. Drake can be uh, uh, an underdog. Drake can be sympathetic. You know, Drake was released. And through his tears, Hunter saw him. This is what I'm going back to. It's another one that Hunter saw. And it's like, yeah, and clearly he's got a very great mind for wrestling in the sense that he decided to go join the WWE writing team. Who knows what kind of great ideas he's had that we've watched play out on WWE television since we last saw him. I think that, uh, I think that both shows need to have some kind of authority figure. And I, I could easily see Drake Maverick taking on that role as an authority figure. Um, the way he did for 205 Live. Um, and maybe every now and then he gets in the ring or whatever, but yeah, I if, if I, I could see Triple H bringing back Drake Maverick for sure, and I think it'd be a good idea. So those are my five to put money on. Sasha Banks, Naomi, Bray Wyatt, Johnny Gargano, and Drake Maverick. Now, I've got five here that I could see. These are five that are not as much layups, but Triple H has his eye on all this stuff. And I, I could see it happening for these five coming back. The first act is Enzo and Cass. And a lot of people haven't brought their name up. But we recently saw Cass on AEW uh, in a match with Wardlow. Looked great. Worked great. Like, there's, there, there, there's, it seems like... He's really got his life in order and has come out great on the other end. He's been doing good stuff in Impact. I I I just think that that 
the what was potential for Cass before is potential for Cass again, and maybe even more so because he certainly matured. Triple H is Enzo and Cass were created through NXT and Triple H, and say what you want, Enzo gets people to react. Enzo is polarizing. Enzo will make you cheer or make you boo. You will know Enzo is there. And Triple H likes that. Triple H likes people who make the audience react. I could easily see Enzo and Cass back in the WWE under Triple H. Another person that I could easily see returning to a commentary table is Mauro Ranallo. I don't know if that's something that Morrow wants anymore. You know, I, I don't know since he left NXT if, if he wants to be a full-time professional wrestling commentator. But the last time he was in WWE, he left the main roster to go work with Triple H and NXT. Triple H saw his value. The NXT fans saw his value. And he seemed like that was where he wanted to be. I could easily see Mauro Ronaldo be placed either on Raw or SmackDown. I probably wouldn't want to mess with Michael Cole and Pat McAfee. But I could see Mauro Ronaldo. although if Mauro Ronaldo goes to Raw, now he's got to work with Corey Graves. I don't know where that stands from all the drama that was on the internet. But honestly, that's not my call to figure out. I don't really have to worry about that, right? I just do a podcast. I don't work for HR and WWE. I just... If you look at who Triple H's people are and who he's believed in and who he designed a product after that was different from what was going on on the main roster, Marlon Ronaldo was a key piece to that. And I could easily see him back in the WWE. I could also see a team, a tag team come back. When you look at this women's tag team title tournament, obviously they want the tag team championship to be taken seriously. Triple H believes in a women's tag team championship. He put one in place in NXT. And when they could have done away with it, you know, I thought that's what they were doing. After Cora Jade threw her NXT Tag Team Championship title in the garbage, I thought, oh, this is a convenient way to get rid of the NXT Tag Team Championship and you're not going to have one in NXT or the main roster. Triple H takes over. Both of them are back. So uh, I, I I think that the... the the women's tag division is something he's taking seriously. And if you're taking the women's tag division seriously, you need acts that are going to specialize in women's tag team wrestling. Who better than the Iconics? Who's, what's, how could you say that it doesn't make sense for the Iconics to come back? Now, I believe Peyton Royce may be pregnant right now. So it could be a little bit, a little bit before they come back. But honestly, the only thing that ever went wrong for the Iconics is they broke up because Peyton Royce was not able to do, after they broke up, Peyton Royce was was not doing the things that she's best at, which is being entertainment with, with being entertaining with Billy Kay. I mean, and Billy Kay, I'll never forget when she got released, I was like, are you insane? Passing out resumes at the Royal Rumble? I thought Billy Kay was doing some of the best work of her career. But the Iconics together were money. I said it when they were released that the Ring of Honor or whoever should pick them up to be uh, full-time fixtures. 
of 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 whatever they've got going on, like whether they're in an authority figure role or they're on the broadcast team, whatever. They should be on every show. I just think they're endlessly entertaining. I think they bring in an entirely new audience. And I, I just, I'm a fan of the Iconics. And so I could see it. With the emphasis being put on the Women's Tag Team Championship, I could see the Iconics coming back. Number four on my list of I could see it. At some point, you're going to need to create a new threat. At some point, whether it's a threat for Amos, whether it's a threat for Karrion Cross, whether it's a threat for Drew McIntyre, whether it's a threat for Roman Reigns, a new beast is going to have to be unleashed. And when it's time for that new beast to enter the fray and to be positioned as a threat to somebody, I could see that beast being Bronson Reed. I could easily see Bronson Reed making a comeback at some point and being that threatening force that maybe hasn't been there. The next time we're asking who's next for this person, who's next for that person, that's when the big Bronson Reed music hits. And we see what we didn't get to see. Bronson Reed is a guy who looked to be the next thing. He was a North American champion in NXT. He got a elite Mattel action figure. I mean, it was it was it was it was the whole thing. Went up to the main roster, worked some dark matches, and then nothing released. Bye. Those are the people that I think you got to look at, especially when they had the potential that Bronson Reed does because those people were being pushed in NXT and were being brought to the main roster because Triple H believed in them. Like I said last week, the beauty of what's going on now is that NXT became NXT 2.0 because the WWE said this was supposed to be developmental. And it is not developmental. What Hunter is telling us now is that NXT Black and Gold was always developmental. And right now is about seeing the stars developed in Black and Gold come to the main roster like they were always supposed to do. Rounding out my list of I could see it. This is an interesting one because this is one that didn't come through NXT. This is one that actually has, you know, documented history of maybe not always being on the best terms with Triple H, but it goes back years and years and years. I'm sure it's water under the bridge at this point. But this name is a name that left the WWE or was, let's, let's be honest, released from WWE and decided to go out and create an even bigger buzz about themselves than they had when they were under the employ of Titan Sports. Woo, woo, woo. I think that we are in a prime spot. Now, it depends on what Zack Ryder does. Now that he's back from his injury, I think he's, I think he's just coming back from his injury now. But he was on a hot streak before he went away. If he gets the world talking again, because he got the world talking when he became the Deathmatch King. If he gets the wrestling world talking once again, I believe Zack Ryder will be back in WWE. It is contingent on him getting everybody talking again. But if he gets everybody talking again, I believe we will see Zack Ryder back in WWE and he will be put in a position to succeed this time. I could see it.
That's why he's on my list if I could see it. I could see it with Enzo and Cass, Mauro Ranallo, the Iconics, Bronson Reed, and Zack Ryder. Now let's talk about uh, legends that Triple H may bring back. That's a big part of WWE, bringing legends back. Vince was always about bringing legends back, but legends were brought to NXT a lot. Ted DiBiase was in NXT. Alundra Blaze was just there uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, I mean, this is this is a thing that Triple H cares deeply about the history of WWE and the history of professional wrestling. Uh, uh, he's a student of the game. The game. Uh... And when you look at it, Triple H is the one who brought back, uh, he did the unthinkable. He, he, he brought Bruno San Martino back. back. Triple H had a lot to do with the Ultimate Warrior coming back. Triple H was all about forging these relationships so that the WWE could have all this history under its roof. And by having this history, I don't just mean their tights. I mean relationships with them. But when you talk about their tights, I mean, he's also, you know, Triple H was the guy who was spearheading the movement to get things organized in the warehouse, to get archivist Ben Brown in there to go through everything and to know what they have and to store it properly and to be able to display it and to be able to use it, to create a, a television show about it. That's Triple H. And so I absolutely think that we will see legends back. My five legends that I think will be back under Triple H, Ric Flair's coming back, dude. I think Triple H will see Ric Flair and go, I don't know what this guy's doing. I don't know why this guy's going out there and having all these last matches. Let's have him come back. I do not think he will wrestle for WWE. I absolutely do not think he will wrestle for WWE. I think he will be back. I think he will have some kind of on-screen role. I don't think it will be every week. I don't think it will be a general manager. I don't think he'll be trusted with a live mic on a regular basis. I do think he will take a bump. I think Triple. I think Ric Flair will be brought back. I think he will take a bump. And I think he will be part of a, 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 I think he will be a storytelling device. I think he'll be a, a beat in a story. I don't know what that story will be, but I do think he'll be back for that. Come on. I mean, who does Triple H love more than Ric Flair in this wrestling world? That's his guy. Speaking of Ric Flair will be back. I know he said he's not coming back. I, I think Batista's coming back. I mean... Evolution is a mystery, okay? I think Batista, now that Triple H is in charge, will be back. I don't know if he will be given what he wants. Give me what I want. I don't I, I don't know if he's coming back for a match. He said he's not coming back for another match, which that's probable, right? But, you know, I mean, I, I just think when you look at that ruthless aggression era, Batista has not lost any of his cool factor. Batista is the man from that ruthless aggression era. People love Batista. And I, I I think whether it's a match or whether it's just to, to come in and do some stuff, I think Batista will be back. Coming up at number three, and this is going to be interesting because you wouldn't think it from Triple H, but if anything, Triple H is about making sure relationships are forged and the right people are on the right side. There is one name that... History has probably been more kind to than just about any other name. A name that is is 
I mean, people are literally doing tribute matches to the guy. Every day that goes by, more people are appreciating him. I am ironically and unplanned wearing a t-shirt that says his name right now. I'm talking about the pink, pink and black attack, Brett the Hitman Hart. I think Brett the Hitman Hart will be back in WWE. We haven't seen him in a WWE ring in a while. Again, I don't think he'll be wrestling. He's not in the shape for it. But I do think that that Bret Hart comes back, whether it be in somebody's corner, whether it be to set something up. I think that, that, that Bret Hart will be put on display as a true member of the WWE family. I think that it's important that that happen because I think that Bret Hart is important to a lot of fans. And honestly... I don't think WWE wants AEW claiming him. My, you know, I think all I think even if there wasn't an AEW, Bret Hart would still probably be on my list, you know, because he he is such an important figure in history that is honestly not honored enough on television. But I think Bret Hart will be back. A number 4 on my list, you know, it's just because it's Triple H and it's a layup. Well, you got to believe Big Sexy is going to be popping his head somewhere in there. You gotta believe Kevin Nash is gonna be there. Kevin Nash has come back in spots where it hasn't even made sense. The CM Punk Kevin Nash stuff made no sense whatsoever. Is Kevin Nash gonna wrestle? Probably not. But I do think, I do think Kevin Nash will be utilized on screen as a WWE legend. And rounding out my list, this one's a little bit of a shocker. And I don't know what the politics or the family dynamics are. But I think that that Triple H will just see the value in how much this will make people talk. I think we'll see Shane McMahon again. I think that we will see Shane McMahon again in WWE. I just think that the, the pop would be too great for everybody to know. I don't think it'll happen this year. But I absolutely think Shane McMahon will be back to do something. I don't know if we're going to do an on-screen power struggle. I think that that as a storyline is a little bit played out, um, especially with Triple H being the actual guy in charge. I don't think he wants to confuse anybody out there. But I, I, I could still see Shane McMahon back strictly as a talent just to do something. I mean, the, the pop's too great. Those are my legends. So put money on it. Sasha Banks, Naomi, Bray Wyatt, Johnny Gargano, Drake Maverick. I could see it. Enzo and Cass, Mauro Ronaldo, the Iconics, Bronson Reed, Zack Ryder. The Legends, Ric Flair, Bret Hart, Batista, Kevin Nash, Shane O'Mac. That's where I see it going. Let me know what you think. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com is my email address. Uh, if you want to hit me up, notsamwrestling at gmail.com is my email. Uh, Marcus sent me an email. Hey, Sam, longtime listener. I've listened to every single episode of Not Sam Wrestling and love it. I boo the bad guys. I appreciate you, Marcus. Uh, what do you think of this idea for getting the WWE Championship off Roman? A triple threat or singles ladder match with both titles ho hoisted above. Roman dominates clean and goes and grabs one of the, one of the Universal Championship, but some chicanery happens. You know I love chicanery. Uh, and someone runs in, pushes him off the ladder before he can unhook the WWE championship, leading to his opponent recovering and grabbing it. I don't think the fans would see it coming. Love the show. Keep up the good work, Marcus. Marcus, I love that you're thinking outside the box. 
I love that you're thinking of ways to keep the champ strong. You know I'm all about keeping Roman Reigns strong. But I do think that if you're going to take the title off of Roman, you have to do it in a way that will make the next champion. You have to figure out how to do it in a way that that it doesn't make Roman look weak, but it makes the champion look strong. You've seen what's happened to Liv Morgan, right? Liv Morgan, the beloved women's champion, is now getting booed on SmackDown because her victories don't come across as legitimate victories. That would be the fear. Unless it's like a heel, unless like the Miz or somebody like getting the title that way, which still would, you know, I don't think anybody would enjoy that. I, I, I think even if it's a triple threat and you pin the guy that's not the champion, at least you pin somebody to win that title, you know? I think it's important. All right, guys, appreciate you. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com is the email address. Let me know what you think if I missed anybody on the potential returns to the WWE. Who knows what we're going to see? What a wild time. I'm glad we could chronicle it here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.